Okay, uh, welcome to Reforming Slavics. I'm Nick, Tom, and today we have a special guest, Slavik. You want to introduce yourself, say a couple things, who you are and what you do? So guys, thank you for inviting me. I feel very you know, honored to be here. It's one of the first times I get to be on a podcast. Uh, so my name is Slavik, 35 years old, grew up in a good church, good uh, family, uh, but I did get myself into some trouble, uh, problems in life, and at 22 years old, the Lord saved me. Uh, and pretty much ever since then, I had just had a passion for to serve him, to know him more. Uh, the first years of my ministry were very involved in the Drug and Alcohol Rehab Center and in our youth ministry in our local church. So kind of a big youth ministry for a couple of years. Uh, and little by little, uh, begin to did a couple mission trips. I was in Europe uh, for three months. I went to Bible school in Russia for a couple of months. I went to Africa for a little bit, not too long, uh, in Sri Lanka. It's, uh, if you don't know where Sri Lanka is, that's right under uh, India. Uh, so serving in my local church, uh, got ordained as a deacon, then I got married, uh, then like a year later, got ordained as a pastor. So I was one of the associate pastors in my uh, former churches in Portland, Oregon. And um, our ministry planted a church in Idaho. And um, after about a year, the elders came up to me from our association to ask if you and your family are willing to come out. To Idaho and pastor a church there. So I've been out here, February was exactly th- uh, six years. So nice. learning, and that's a little bit about me. Yeah. And, and yeah, and I, it was probably the first church I started attending, like actually as a born again Christian, was God will provide. Uh, after, after Bible school, I decided I wanted to join your guys' church. So. I know I know Slavic pretty well. Like we used to, you know, I used to be very involved in youth ministry, so he used to help, and we used to work together a lot. Nice, yeah. Um, and I guess we wanted to have Slavic on and to ask him just just interview him about his role as a pastor in a Russian church, because I find that there are a lot of a lot of issues that are unique to the Slavic community. And primarily, well, not primarily, but a couple of reasons are is because we are transplants from a different culture and a different mm-hmm. country. And so uh, we are a secluded community at times. Like the Russian church is a secluded community, hence Russian, right? We, we speak yeah. a different language. And so um, there are unique characteristics that uh, describe the Russian church, specifically the Russian Pentecostal church. Um, I just wanted to have uh, your experiences and, and hear some of the things that you kind of had uh, learned about and grew in and uh, primarily uh, four topics uh, counseling as a past year your, your view of uh, the future of the russian church in this valley the, the treasure valley um, dating past 25 a friend of ours um, said that would be a good topic and uh, just challenges that pastors face that people are kind of oblivious to mm-hmm. um, I, I recently found out that just Pastors have so much on their plate in regards to uh, dealing with people that a lot of people just think, you know, you preach on a Sunday night or on a Sunday morning, and that's kind of your job. You mm-hmm. prepare a sermon, you're done. And then there's this, you know, backdrop of so much work that needs to be done. Yeah. Uh, so let's dive into it. Uh, so as a pastor, um, what kind of what kind of counseling do you do? Mm-hmm. Like, let's say let's say someone's uh, having an issue with depression. Mm-hmm. Do you do you counsel those kind of people? Yeah. We, I mean, obviously, we we counsel, you know, everybody who wants, and we reach out, and we're 
we always encourage people to be open, to be honest, you know, to help us deal with certain things. But um, just in counseling in general, kind of the way my approach to counseling is as pastor is obviously this has to be biblical counseling. So mm-hmm. what that means is everything everything that we say or everything that we do, everything, every, any advice that we give has to be uh, rooted, founded, you know, the foundation has to be the Word of God because there's a big difference between secular counseling and, or, you know, uh, psychiatrist and biblical counseling. So that's kind of, for me, is the, the advice that I'm giving the person, the, the person or the couple that I'm dealing with, it has to be biblical. It can't be my opinion. It can't be something I heard from this one person. It can't be, you know, you know, you know, traditional. It has to be biblical. And yeah, so yeah, that's like that's kind of the foundation, right? Biblical counseling. And the interesting thing about that is a lot of people who um, are in the world or in the secular world, they always refer to counseling as something that is um, very. Not very grounded in anything, right? Yeah. You just have you just have um, Nietzsche, not Nietzsche, but like all these psychologists throughout the ages, and you kind of gather information, and then you come up with this idea of how a person is supposed to behave or act, or yeah. how they're supposed to live their lives. But uh, do you find topics that are uh, not that you weren't well prepared for? Like for example, the Russian community doesn't really talk about like abortion, for example, right? Mm-hmm. Or being a homosexual, mm-hmm. or um, like dark things that we tend to not know how to deal with. Um, did you find it challenging in, in your ministry to approach those kind of topics with people, or how, or is that kind of not something you really deal with? In the, in full honesty, we in in the church setting we don't deal with those issues too much. Okay. Um, and uh, see, we have our church also have as a drug and alcohol rehab center, so those kind of more complicated issues. Uh, we do deal with it. We've, we've dealt with people who consider themselves homo- homosexual. They come from very difficult and dark past. We've even dealt with somebody with a transgender person a couple of years ago. Uh, but in, in a church setting, not really. Okay. It, it, and even like um, like we, our church, we rent from Valley Life Community Church, a very, very good, solid church. Um, and you know we have monthly meetings with them with, with with some of our elders some of their elders and we just discuss kind of just you know ma- making sure the uh, there's no issues between churches and kind of housekeeping stuff mostly and mm-hmm. we pray for each other and I hear like uh, right now they're leaving their uh, denomination because this domina- denomination has been around for 150 years they have to leave their denomination because the most of their churches have agreed to allow homosexual uh, elders and and pastors and women preachers and kind of more of the, of the liberal trend to that. And and I tell them, like, I mean, that's something that we're not dealing with yet, you know. And just to be honest, like, I mean, our Slavic churches, I mean, we can disagree on a lot of different things. There's even in the, in, in the Pente- Pentecostal realm, there's so many different you know flavors in that but there's something issues like this just we don't uh overly face with yet i know they're gonna be there and i want you know i pray and this might even sound kind of weird but i want you know for god to send those kind of people to us because the reality is those people need christ they need to hear the gospel they need to be saved and you know and 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 christ you know he can save them so you know that's the well, what do you think uh it's not a thing that happens uh too much in russian churches do you think it's just the culture in russia and ukraine i think it's culture um i think that a lot of our churches um maybe god doesn't send those kind of people there i think god will send you know people who are in these kind of specific you know specific 
you know, sins that we're talking about, I think that, you know, God, you know, through his providence will send those people to other churches that are more equipped to deal with them. I think in our Slavic community, um, to the best of my understanding, this is not a very common thing that, that churches or pastors face. Mm. But I but I do believe that this, you know, more and more of this will will be more, you know, common in, in the churches. And we have to pray and prepare to deal with these people, not just shun them, not just throw them off as unclean or as, you know, just there's no salvation for you. You're outside of God's grace. And, and I believe when churches are ready, God will send different kinds of people there. Yeah, um, that's actually really, really awesome to hear because um, throughout, like, like growing up in the Russian community, uh, people like that, a sort, you know, the sort of people were really, they weren't looked down upon as though they're not savable. They were looked down upon as, as extremely uh, more sinful than anyone else. Yeah. And obviously, you know, all these things are perversions of truth and what God has made. But it seems that there is a big challenge in the older generation of pastors who have never faced these issues in the Slavic community. And um, I don't know how well equipped they are to address these issues. Um, and just counseling in general, when, when I think of counseling, a lot of times what I heard and, you know, uh, from the Russian church is, well, you can go and read, read, read your Bible and pray, and that will solve the issue. Um and a lot of times that doesn't work because reading and praying is great and awesome, but you need kind of like direction in biblical counseling, how to um, read your Bible or certain passages to help you understand what's going on in your heart. Um, and so that's what that's why people tend to flee to secular counseling because secular counseling has all these fancy terms. And um, it's like, well, I didn't find the word anxiety in the Bible. You know, I found it once. Don't be anxious for anything. But it doesn't. I don't have a, a treatise on how to deal with anxiety in the Bible, and so I'm not going to go there. But if if a good pastor sits down, and it's like, well, have you read Psalms? Yeah. It's all about um, you know depression and all about. And so you know, hearing that like biblical counseling is the way um, to help people is really encouraging. Um, also, I was going to ask you. How do you how do you maintain trust with people you counsel? Because a, a big portion I've experienced with um, counseling in the Russian community or in the Russian church with pastors was uh, I would have friends. Even recently, we had some me and my wife had some friends who need some dire counseling, and we couldn't really send them to anyone we knew in the Russian community because we don't. Even even though I went to a Russian church for a very long time, there wasn't a great relationship of trust built there where I can send someone. I'm like this person is going to help you out. How do you maintain trust with people who are vulnerable and share dark and, and, um, you know, very, very personal things with you? Well, it's, I mean, it's that, that is, I mean, that is as if, so if we're talking about counseling people, it's one thing, but for as a, as a counselor, I mean, that is something that I, for myself, I've always understood from the beginning that this is something that this is not leave this room. And I always tell people that is that, and I've and I've told my our elders too is that, you know that that brothers that you know we never have the right to, God forbid we ever take somebody's pain or issues or sins and we begin to use it in sermons or use it against them or blackmail them or you know uh, casually as we're having coffee with our you know wives or friends we're oh did you hear about this one family and then. And that is that is an unfortunate thing that and like we all grew up in a Slavic church. Mm-hmm. Only, to be honest, like I don't hundred percent consider myself a Slavic pastor, maybe like fifty percent. But we all grew up in a Slavic church, and we've always heard that. Like I, I can't speak for the for the English community. I don't know how it is there, but so for for me, that's something that I mean. I think it's just 
as a uh, just your word and you know people know that and people can see that so for me that's a huge thing is is is, is never never using somebody's you know what they're going through against them and if there is something like i've had the situation where we would there's complicated situations where I need advice. So if I'm talking to a person, if I'm talking to a couple, and, say, and they're sharing with me, and I tell them, do I have the right to bring up your situation to this specific person to get advice from them? Another another pastor who I know will take this seriously. So if they say yes, or if they say no, we go from there. So just trust and understanding that this is... I mean, we have no right to speak about people, and we have to be we have to be wise, you know. And so that's kind of for me personally how I approach it. My wife, my wife, my wife always tells me things. Well, my wife always says I'm the last one to know, and I, I'm to be like to be honest with you, like I like that because uh, that shows that uh, I don't, you know, you know. Again, you know, God by God's grace, and you know, God willing, continue going forward in this, but. You know, I don't just come home and you know. Did you hear about this and this and that? It's I a lot of things I don't, you know. I learn how to filter them, and I just want to continue growing in that because I understand that, you know, to get past to get past surface level issues like hi bye, how's the weather, how's how's work, people have to trust you. People have to know you, and people have to know you're trustworthy. So before, so if this couple is having an issue before they ever come to me. They're gonna go to three or four of their closest friends and say, "Hey, you know, you know, what do you think if we go talk to this person?" And whatever their friends tell them, most likely what they're gonna, oh, you can't go there. They're untrustworthy. Oh, we went to them a year ago, and they and he used our us as example as in his sermon, and so it's kind of you know word of mouth, I guess. You know, that's how most people will, you know, they will have to know you before they can open up to you. So that's kind of you know not to get on too not long answer but that's kind of how i try to approach it yeah because um i mean growing up in a slavic church i saw an issue with not only lack of um um, just a heart that's kind and willing to listen but the reason a lot of people were scared to go and talk about their sin with an elder who is qualified rather than some friend it was because they were terribly frightened that they would be judged or their they wouldn't be um you know kept in um in a way where someone wouldn't find out what they did and um i think that's the biggest issue is trust young people uh, need the device of elders and it happens that a lot of young people don't trust elders and so like like you said having that ability to trust an elder and approach them and knowing that um sharing would actually point them to christ and help them rather than hurt them in some way i think that's a very very great thing for the slavic community because um we, 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 we as a Slavic community don't have a great track record of that. Yeah. Uh, and that's just the honest truth, right? Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of counseling, um, when people get, let's say, engaged and they want to get married mm-hmm. at your church, what is, your, what is the way you do premarital counseling? Mm-hmm. So in our church, premarital counseling is a requirement that we require for every couple to go through. Okay, what does that consist of? Like, um, if you could lay that for me. Just... Depending again, it's it 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 varies on different couples. So between three to five different um, meetings that we will do with the couple. So I will usually meet with them if they're more English speaking, and our pastor Alex, he's our associate pastor, he'll meet with them if they're more Russian speaking, and we just I mean we cover uh, again it 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 in all honesty it does vary from different things. I mean it talks about. 
Uh, sometimes we address you know, you know, the gospel and, and, and different things like that. We address living as a husband and wife. We address their intimate life. We address finances. Um, just those kind of, I guess, main things that we cover, I guess, the main general things that we think that need to be covered. But we, what I always tell people is that, hey, we're here for you. So if there is something that needs to be addressed, if there's something that needs to be talked about, you know, uh, we don't want you to think there's some cookie cutter, you know, let me read you the same thing I told the other couple. So we, we try to, and again, you know, different people, different experience, but we try to be, do our best to be there for people. And, and usually we know that we know the couple and we kind of know what to address and what to deal with. And if we don't know them, we, we usually start off trying to get to know them, you know, and seeing which areas that we can help them in. So there's general things that we cover and then there's more specific things pertaining to that specific couple, what they need. That's what I, if, that's what I would say. Um, let's say let's say there are um, issues that are really concerning that people are getting married to. All right, uh, would you ever um, refuse to marry someone? Like in regards to let, let's say there are some um, sinful issues or some issues that are not biblical, or someone's getting married to a person who doesn't necessarily care about submission. Uh, just an issue that it's uh, severe enough biblically um, that would hinder them from would hinder you from comfortably saying like. Before God, I, I think you guys would work. But would you? What, what would that like look like? Do you, do you understand what I'm asking? Like, if there was a situation like that, what? What? Because I know some pastors would say like, well, "I can't marry you guys. We're done. We we have to take a break, or you guys have to solve these issues." I mean, it's kind of hard to say generally. I mean, obviously, the biggest thing is if, if I don't marry non-Christians. Okay. So if it's if you're if you if if the if the guy is a believer and the woman is a non-believer, we won't marry them. You know, like we can work with them. God, you know, hopefully she becomes a believer. But we will not marry somebody who is not a believer. We believe that to get married in a church is a place for believers to get married. Uh, if there's unresolved with, uh, you know, past marriages and different things like that, then yeah, I know we, we wouldn't. Um, just kind of difficult to answer generally. Um, here, here's my general advice that I give people, and I don't want it to over be, to be overly simple. Uh, this is what marriage is for. Marriage is for a man and a woman who are believers, who are Christians, who agree to be together for, for the rest of their lives. Mm -hmm. Every single person has their baggage. Every single person has their baggage. So, if, so when I was marrying my wife, you know, I was a believer. She was a believer. Uh, we weren't perfect. You know, we'll be perfect in heaven. There was sanctification that was needed for her and for me. But I agreed to be with her. The same thing for her. She agreed to be with me. So if, if a couple comes to me and wants to get married, and I don't, again, I don't want this to seem very simple, but if it's two believers who are agreed to be together and agree that they know that person and they agree to be with them, you don't get to you know, get married and say six months later, I, I, didn't, I didn't realize you had so much debt and this isn't going to work. That's what we say. That's what we taught the premarital classes. Like, you know, do you guys know your guys' you know, health? Like, and I'm not saying you have to go and get a physical every single detail of your body. But if you know, you, let's say a woman knows, 
you know, she knows she cannot have children. That doesn't mm-hmm. stop her from getting married. That should be disclosed. But, but that that should be disclosed. So the so the husband or the future husband needs to know that if if the husband has a hundred thousand dollars in debt, debt does not disqualify you from getting married. But she needs to know that. Um, so if they agree to be together, then let's do it. You know, I mean, in kind of i don't really see now if there's sin issues again we deal with them we address them um but to be honest like i those main things i i, I can't you know most of them we, we, we do marry because again marriage is between you and that person it's not between i'm not marrying nobody i'm not marrying you you know i'm already married so if they agree if they're agreed to do it, if if they're if they're a very new Christian, if, if you're a mature Christian and your wife came to you know was saved a month or two ago and you want to be you want to be married to her, then praise God, you know. So yeah, but what uh, if I may? Um, what the topic of counseling? So what I was saying is, so we start off. So we start off with uh, biblical counseling. The second thing is that now obviously biblical counseling is like the glue that you know is around everything we do, but but the thing that we do is that um, we we bring people to repentance if they need repentance because usually people who need counseling there are certain reasons they need counseling in, so before we deal with the issue on the practical level we have to deal with the sin issue. I like how I believe John uh, John Piper said this quote that the only sin you can be, have freedom from is a forgiven sin. So we, the first thing we focused on is that, you know, yes, we hear the problem, we hear the issue, but we need to bring that person to repentance. So they're, they're, they are forgiven before God. And then after that, and, and after that, uh, and, then, and then that takes time. Sometimes it can be fast, it can take weeks, it can take months, to be honest with you. Uh, but after that, then we go on more of a practical level of how can we deal with this situation? How can we look at it? With different things, so I always kind of put them into. I don't like the I don't like the vocabulary, but I use it for lack of a, something better. I came up with, so the spiritual aspect of life and the practical aspect of life, which I think that it's all spiritual. So spiritual, how is your relationship with God? How you know? How are you a part of a church? Do you attend church? Do you you know kind of do any kind of ministry? Are you involved in church? So that's kind of the more of the spiritual aspect of 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 life. Uh, because if you're not, I mean, if we're dealing with issues and you're not, and you're not, you're not a part of a local church, then we need to deal with that. That's the root issue before we can go start dealing with, you know, with, uh, you know, depression or we start dealing with other things there. And then we, when, then I like to talk about more on the practical side. Tell me, tell, tell me about your life. How does it go? What do you do? Tell me about your schedule. And then you can kind of already begin to say, okay, well, you know, this is kind of unhealthy. We need to deal with this. This is the one, the reason why this you're, you're having issues in, in this area because of this and this and this. So that's kind of the, the 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 full circle of how we address this biblical counseling, bring them to repentance, and then on more of the on the spiritual practical side of dealing with different things. And, and as you continue going, then we might have to repent of other issues. We have, might have to bring them, okay, well, that needs to be addressed. That needs to be, you know, that needs to be, be repented of. And that kind of, that, that, that so, so the circle of biblical counseling, repentance, practicality, it's a circle that usually kind of goes on and on and on. Uh, actually, that brings up a really good uh, question that I have. Because um, do you guys ever run into issues where um, medication is needed for people who have disorders or, because um, here, uh, I guess the reason I'm asking is because, um, when I grew up, my mom had schizophrenia. Or she still has schizophrenia. 
And throughout our church life, it was really difficult to understand how to approach that. And um, there were a lot of, uh, I guess, uh, hypotheses that were flowing around our church, like, Maybe she's demon possessed, so we need to pray out, for, you know, pray for casting out demons. Maybe it's a diet issue. Like there was really a lack of understanding what it was, and then once she got some help with medication, like they were able to, she was able to stabilize and get counseling. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, do you guys ever recommend or um, not necessarily recommend medication f- to solve the issue? But have you run into issues where it was um, not? Because you mentioned it's not only spiritual; sometimes it's practical things that can kind of um, help people out. Um, do you do you run into issues where it's like we need to go outside of just counseling to help people out? Yeah, we do. And and again, and, and and this is not an easy subject to address because there is a lot of different opinions on this. But I will tell you that there is, uh, you know, you know, we understand if a person broke his hand, he needs to deal with that. Now, if a person has certain things mentally, then there's different ways to deal with that. Also, there can be spiritual issues that need to be dealt with, and but there also is can be certain things that just need medicine can fix. So I am not against medicine. Now, I don't want to just give a you know blanket answer, just medicine for everything, because that's not good either. But definitely, definitely, and these are a little bit more complicated issues than, you know, different things. But definitely, there's an aspect of the medical side. And if, you know, and I'm not against that medicine and different things like that. But there's also aspect of the spiritual aspect of it that also needs to be dealt with. And to really, truly kind of know, you kind of have to get to know them work with them and you know and just i think god eventually so we've had both situations where it's more spiritual aspect we have to deal with and then the other aspect of more me- medically medicine also so uh we are careful we're not quick to say everybody go get a, go, go get a bunch of pills uh, <laughs> but definitely that is there is that is a reality that we face you know? so yeah 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 because the reason i'm asking is because i've i've run into situations where people because uh, your your brain is an organ, right? And just like you mentioned, if we hurt a hand, we need medical assistance with that. Your brain might need some medical assistance, and um, that will never solve the issue, but that might help you recognize um, and process scriptural information and biblical counseling that you you get provided. Um, and I, I think that's a really it's a really encouraging thing to hear about pastors who kind of figured out a way to counsel people and incorporated um, practical issues and medication and things that can really help people because um, throughout the history of the Russian Slavic church, like the, the, the answer you'd always hear is go read your Bible and pray, you know, and that is a great answer, but there's so much more that need needs to be you know added to help a person. Well, people who don't like the word counseling, it's discipleship. We, we are called to make disciples, you know, and a disciple is made, you know, it's yes, we get converted, you know, we are saved, we are justified automatically, you know, but, you know, sanctification is the part of our life. So I'm a big believer in discipleship. I know some people don't like the word counseling, counseling, discipleship, you know, it th- doesn't really matter, you know, but I'm a, like I said, I'm a big believer in discipleship. And, I, and for me, like, you know, I'm thankful that the first years of my life, 
I had godly brothers, godly people in my life who can disciple me. You can call a counseling. You don't have to call a counseling, but they discipled me. They worked with me. They didn't just uh, throw me out as soon as I made a mistake or I had questions because we have to deal with things. We have to deal with issues. You know, sometimes I always, people say like, oh, you're, you guys just allow whatever. You guys don't care. No, we do care. I hate sin, but I hate sin enough that we need to deal with sin. We need to deal with certain, and, and to deal with certain things, we have to get involved. We have to get our hands a little bit dirty and we have to care and know the person just to kind of, you know, brush them off as we'll go pray and go read and, you know, go something else. And I'm not saying people who do that have wrong intentions. I think a lot of it's founded in just lack of experience. They just don't know what else to do.